Wow, guys. That was a seriously lame trip to the Dutch East Indies. Yeah, Mildred. I was really hoping for our perilous voyage across the sea to help me finally feel a sense of fulfillment in my dull life. I agree, Millie. It's such a shame that the burdens of late-stage capitalism can no longer be assaged by hopping in a frigate and embracing scurvy. Preach it, Mabel. As long as I live, I'll never sail again. You guys know what the worst part of all of this is? The unceasing existential dread of lacking any sort of intrinsic motivation to make changes in my life? Learning that the hokey pokey really is not what it's all about. Oh my gosh, no guys. It's the fact that there's no place around here where I can exercise in a new and vigorous way. Yes, Mabel. It's like I have this hole in my life. A hole that could be filled only by the rigors of an unconventional and misunderstood form of exercise. Wait a minute, guys! Look over there! Are you tired of feeling like your life is missing excitement? Do you feel like there's a hole in your life? Then come down to the corner of Johnson and Richards and sign up for my, Gil Albright's, pole dancing lessons at the Shovin' Up and let me fill your hole. My expansive knowledge of shocking techniques will leave you breathless. So, come on down and shove it up. Oh, by the way, Rock and Roll for Initiative is an immature adult podcast played by a group of goofs, weirdos, and silly boys. Viewer discretion is advised. And thanks for tuning in to Rock and Roll for Initiative, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast where our weekend warrior band members get swept up in a world of blades, beasts, and rock and roll. I don't want to take up too much of your time, so let's just get into the thick of it. All right, back once again with the boys. You know, this adventure's been uh, pretty wild so far, you know, and it's like the, it's still the same day, is it? No, you, you have rested. Oh, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah it's, it's, been like, it's been like half a week. Well, according so. to your phone, it's, it's still the same day. So yeah, it's been like what 20 minutes, What a time maybe. to be alive. So as you go around and introduce yourself, you know, tell us a little bit about your character, as always. I want to know what your characters do for fun. I'm Andy. I play grumpy bassist Benedict McIntyre. Fun fact about Benedict McIntyre is out of all the restaurants he's worked at over the years, he's held many jobs. His favorite restaurant was actually Big Boy many years ago. Oh, that's a choice. I miss Big Boy. He really liked that statue, too. In in real life, I have a piggy bank that is the Big Boy statue. (laughs) That's fantastic. I still use it to this day. (laughs) And Benedict McIntyre's favorite leisure activity, as previously stated in a prior one, bowling. He bowls avidly. Other than music, that is his favorite thing to do. Hell yeah, brother. Hi, I am Nathan. I play the cowardly, drunken George Georgeson. And um, yeah, fun- that was quite a turn for you last <laughs> yeah. episode. You know, he had, he had a crisis. But uh, fun fact, <laughs> fun fact about George is he loves women's soccer. And uh, that is also his favorite leisure time, other than tanning, is just sitting down, having a nice brandy. And watching some women's soccer. Nice. Live, live in person or on the TV? On the TV. He'd never go there. Too much of a coward to masturbate in public? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen, we say a lot of f***ed up shit here. That's, a, that's fine. That's fine. Hi, I'm Zach. 
I play Crawford Mawson, the group's guitar player and backing vocalist. A fun fact about Crawford Mawson is that he fancies himself incredibly knowledgeable about religion. Every religion. He doesn't know shit about any of them. But if somebody brings up any religion, he's like the, oh my god, yeah, you follow Taoism too kind of person. <laughs> His favorite leisure activity is doing cocaine and lying. <laughs> lying? Like just, okay. Yeah. Doing so he juices and does cocaine. Roided, roided to the gills, also a narcissistic liar. How, how's he feeling without his juice? Well, given the straight, the weird time constraints of the world, not all that bad, but starting to get there. Mm-hmm. Let's see how that develops. All right. Hi, I'm Kevin. I play number one shining star frontman of the group, Gil Albright. And fun fact about Gil is that he really loves barbecue jackfruit. He just thinks it's really good for, you know, the week that there was a fancier taco place open in Gary, Indiana. He went there and they had barbecue jackfruit tacos and you thought it was delicious. In fairness, they only got shut down because Kitty's Tacos was misleading. Nobody's going to Gary for taco truck. <laughs> they got one delivery and then the driver said never again. Gil actually is a very avid MMO player. <laughs> you know, he loves all sorts of them. He, he, he likes WoW. Final Fantasy, RuneScape, RuneScape, Elder Scrolls Online. Does Club Penguin count as an MMO? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is Gaia Online still a thing? I Did, feel like Neopets. Gil Neopets. is probably like really into Adventure Quest. I was just about to get into that. Yeah. His his first experience with uh you know the world of fantasy was Adventure Quest. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious, like, where's your character's head at? What's on their mind aside from their present situation? I mean, I think Benedict's a little freaked out, but, like, at the same time, he's he, he knows, he's like, he's been in stressful situations before, and he yeah. knows you just kind of got to keep moving forward because standing still's probably going to get you killed or something. So I think he's he's freaked out, but he's handling it. George is terrified. In fact, the only thing that's been really keeping George going has been the alcohol, and now that's out. So Crawford Mawson feels about this situation kind of like, kind of ambivalent. He, his brain's kind of garbage between the drugs, the, the steroids, probably concussions from bar fights. Listening to the CMT Top 40. Right, listening to the CMT Top 40, I mean, all all the country hits, every one of them, every single country hit, his grasp on lucidity is just not there. So this is kind of a fun experience. <laughs> Gil is starting to really have doubts on him, about himself and, and what's going on, but, you know, he's sticking through it for the sake of the sake of his friends, his bandmates, and, and to, to get back to his girlfriend. You know, we've brought up Heather a few times, and she she's appeared in here, but one question I wanted to ask you. Do you have, do you have a pet name for Heather? Like, does Gil have a pet name for her? Besides just, like, you know, the normal things you would call your partner, like, sweetie, honey, babe, stuff Rundle like that. Grundletharp. Yeah, yeah, the destroyer of worlds. Not, not, not really, not yet. The, the closest, the closest he's had is, is... One day, he, he accidentally called her the name of his childhood cat, Peaches. It was pure accident. Was That's just more concerning. Got some wires crossed. It happens, you know. Well, with that, let's get rolling. We're picking up right where we left off before with Episode 8, The Old Blessed Part 2. whom the bell tolls so the writing the writing that was on top of the gate said please the lord and as gil said that out loud i think things happened uh, i knew we were gonna have to go in there well we got to get you your wine you know that's true yeah we got to get to that church so i can get the wine all right so the question is how do we get over there did we did we see some kind of path over near the amphitheater i thought we saw it was like a maze kind of looking thing you feel like no matter where you enter you're just getting into a maze of overturned headstones and statues grave markers you want to head back down there and try to get in well what are we even looking for 
I, th- I think there's something in that church we might need to find. Well, I, I get that, but like, what what are we searching for in this graveyard? Overall, Swampy Tone Man, which if he's still here, wow, that's that's bold of him. So, so do we have any anywhere like we should start? Like, what what are we looking for in this maze of graves? We found some clues while we were in the hut. Starting from the amphitheater, you found that sheet of paper, the one that said that David always watches watches those mournful players. I do remember that? Yeah. So then when we went to the house, Frog got attacked. He got that another sheet of paper on the corpse that said, And the bell was struck, which slept the horde, then hung above, which pleased the Lord. So are we looking for a bell? Could be. Yeah, I think so. We, we, we did just hear that ringing. Also, I should mention that logbook that we found, the last entry on it was a guy named David. Okay, so are, are, are we looking for David's grave then? Or? I, I mean, I think we're kind of looking for a bell and we got, David. We gotta have some place to start. That's all I'm saying. I did find a key in that thing's mouth. It grabbed my mouth, I grabbed it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so either way, I think we still need to search that church. Church is through the grave. We could see it from the amphitheater. Collectively, as you look out over the graves, you feel that that humming kind of deep inside you that's emanating from them. In the darkness, you do see those like will-o'-the-wisps, like lights that are wisping between the gravestones a little bit brighter. As the rain comes down and you can see that the hillside's turning to mud, you would estimate there there is at least three to four hundred graves here. And that's just the ones you can see, not to mention what time and, you know, the decay of the earth might have done. I think first stop is the church. Let's get to that church. So as your group begins the long trek back to the amphitheater, the rain is making this more difficult. What was a dirt path is now basically mud, and being that you're coming down the path, so you're going down this very steep incline, your footing is, you know, it's not the best. So you're kind of taking your steps slowly, you're getting rained on. Thankfully, you got those cloaks from the Tad Doyle Co. Express. Would you look at that? This is, uh, this is fucking stupid. Fucking going back down the hill to go back up the fucking hill. God damn it. Hi, how's the walk going, guys? Hey, Cross, everything all right? The fuck you say to me? Is everything okay? Are you all right? What? What yeah, is I'm, going I'm on? I'm fine. What is going on? No, n- nothing. I'm just, I'm just a little testy, okay? It's just been a long day. I just, I, I just, it's just been a long walk, okay, man? I'm just a little tired, okay? I'm just tired, okay? Okay. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Ugh, I'll just go ahead. Fuck. <sighs> just need some peace and fucking quiet. God. I can't. Can't be around them as much as they can't be around me right now. Every step that I take, every muscle, every joint, God, it just, it hurts so much. And there's nothing, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing I can do. I just keep walking, John Craw, just keep walking, huh? Head up high, Craw. Just keep walking, huh? Mama's little boy, you can do it. Just keep walking, crawl. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God, my stomach. Oh, fuck, I think one of them might have... Might have something, I don't know. Alcohol's not gonna do the trick. Crawl, what are you thinking? I don't know what I'm thinking. I just... I... I need my medicine. I need my medicine. I wasn't expecting to go on a trip. I didn't get to pack my medicine. My pills are at home. Everything else is at home. You have your dailies. You need your dailies. They wouldn't let me pack my dailies. I've been a good craw. Yeah, you wish you had this ass, don't you, you fuckers? (sighs) You know, I'm gonna ban these motherfuckers from the bar if I ever get back there. Wait. Why would I ban them from the bar? They're my best friends. Are they even my friends? Am I even my friend? Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm losing it. I'm losing it, the pain. Oh, I just wanted to end. 
What if I kill myself? Well, well, no, what if I kill myself, huh? Maybe gilded. Yeah, yeah. Gilded. Gilded. Yeah. Crow, what are you? What do you say? What do you say? You can go in front and set the pace if you want. No, no, I'll just follow you, Gil. I'll just follow you, Gil. So as you arrive back at the amphitheater, you are pleasantly surprised to see that the overgrowth that Gil dispelled with the gateway harp is still gone. That piece of paper that George had placed back in the hole is surely destroyed now, being that the rain is coming down in droves. And you can see, up the hill, quite a ways, the steeple over the horizon. There is a clear path between the amphitheater and that steeple. You do not see any graves. You're going to be walking beside them, but you do not see any. And you once again hear, from amidst the gravestones, the echoing of a bell. You guys heard that, right? You heard that bell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heard yeah, that yeah, bell. yeah. Heard that bell. Okay. Heard okay. that bell. Heard that one. Didn't heard know if I got knocked out again. That bell. Well, I mean, you're still here. So uh, while we're at the amphitheater, I had an, I had an idea. We were. I know we're going to the church first, but do we want to see if any of those seats without the brush have like, are, like reserved? Could be looking for a David there. Get quick do that. Yeah. Sit down in the pouring rain for a minute. If, Craw, if Craw needs a break, I guess. I guess yeah, Craw does need a fucking break. Okay. 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 Whoa. 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 Just let me. Good. Just let me sit down, man. Yeah. yeah. Take a seat. Don't be Take a seat. You. It's all right. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. You. You guys are the best bandmates. You guys just see in this downpour, Crawford Mawson with his cloak on, just plopping down on a stone slab. Gil's gonna see if he can salvage any of that that note from earlier before <laughs> you look in the hole and it's just completely it's just filled with water and there's just shard, shards of papyrus just floating in it oh ooh. Uh, benedict also sits down because his knees are bothering him because of all the rain george isn't sitting down he's ready to go we need to get to that church there might be some wine in there we need to get there yeah the only wine in there is you over there all right man Let's go. George. George is hurt. That count as a short rest. <laughs> <laughs> Towards the steeple, the more and more you go up this hill, it is, it is difficult with this downpour. This is straight mud. The incline means that you're going to have to do a little bit of crawling. <laughs> I want some some athletics checks. Uh, Benedict got a full. Benedict is struggling. <laughs> As you attempt to Old get this hill, you go face first into the mud. Okay, so I, I got a, a 22 on my athletics. Can I just, like, crab? <laughs> just as you're, you're, you're falling down, you feel the, the firm yet also baby soft hands of George, <laughs> of George Georgeson grab you by the back of your, uh, your denim jacket, and he helps drag you up the hill. You're getting muddy too, George. This is tough. Fourteen. You make it up with just one or two falls, little stumbles onto your knees. As that happens, I jokingly Crawford jokingly asks Benedict if his favorite Primus song is My Name is Mud. Benedict ignores the comment. He does know the song, but he ignores, ignores the, the comment. comment. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I'll not answer that. Gil got, also got a 22. Oh, Gil, you... Man, you must, you're must you just the king of pole dancing. You just glide up this hill. <laughs> As they're all struggling, you don't even... You just using, walk Using up the it. spears of walking stick. <laughs> yes. As your group ascends the crest of the hill, you feel like this is the highest point below the wall, and you can kind of see over this whole section of the Old Blessed. You can see all the graves, and even from up high... You still concur that that's like a maze. The way these stones are, some of them are overturned, some of them are hanging and tilted. It's like a maze. But in front of you, you do indeed see a small chapel. The steeple's pretty tall. The chapel itself is not very big. I, I hesitate to call it a church because it's most certainly more of a chapel. Okay. It looks very run down. The paint has been stripped from the wood through the decay of time and rain. And the doors to the chapel are barely hanging on just by their bottom hinges. They look soaked. You do see through 
one of the slotted windows on the side. A flickering green light. Green means go, right? In our world, yes. I don't know about here. Um, wait a minute. Zach, do you have John Candy on your shirt? Yeah, you just noticed that? <laughs> I complimented him on that oh, yeah, earlier. It's a Home Alone Kenosha yeah, Pictures t-shirt. I just noticed that. <laughs> Gil's gonna peer through the window. Do a, a little little perception through the window. Yeah, it, it's it's a slatted window for you know architectural design. That is a nat twenty. Oh, but that none of that matters to the <laughs> eyes of our shooting star. As you peer into the window, you you can confirm that it's not a very big chapel inside. You do see some rotted pews. There's definitely holes in the roof because the rain is coming down through. The light source right at the end of the chapel. There is a presentation table with what was surely once a nice, you know, sort of designed piece of fabric on it now worn down by the rain. There are four lanterns sitting there and a green light emanates from inside these four lanterns. The lanterns look to be made of wrought iron with a glass case inside. Otherwise, the inside, you see no movement. It looks kind of just like your standard chapel. You do see a cabinet back behind the lanterns that looks pretty ornate. Hey guys, there's, I see, looks like four lanterns? One of them's, one of them's on. It's flickering that green light that we saw. A green lantern? (laughs) What's that? Uh, Apparently what's in front of you. I haven't played DC Universe online. There's another clap of thunder overhead, a flash of lightning. You actually see the arc of the bolt of lightning hit the top of the steeple. And you hear that bell echo again somewhere deep in the graveyard. So the bell's not here at the chapel. It's in the graveyard somewhere. True story. Well, going in? Yeah. Doesn't look too dangerous. You know, I'm going to stick with you guys this time. I don't think I'm going to stray too far. Don't worry, George. I'll protect protect you. I'll protect you, buddy. And <laughs> Gil opens the chapel, steps inside. You're gonna wetly whap on the wha- door. <laughs> whap wet. <laughs> Gil once again whaps wetly on the door. <laughs> you notice that it is very warm in here. It is very warm in this chapel. And it feels as though that warmth is emanating from the back of the chapel, where those lanterns are. The pews are overturned, and there are only four pews, two on each side. This is very small. You see papers and documents scattered all over the floor, torn up books, but all of them have turned up pulpy mush from years and years of rain. At the back of the chapel, behind those lanterns, once again, you see a very ornate black oak cabinet. Probably head towards that cabinet. Yeah. Would you like? No. To? I think we go look at the lanterns. No. I'll follow Benedict. George will. George and Benedict, you make your way to the lanterns. Yes. So as you step through the chapel, you're very confident now that the heat you're feeling, that warmth, and it's very comforting, is coming from these lanterns. The lanterns are pretty small. They're only about the size of the length of your hand. They have a little handle on the top. You know what, Benedict's going to pick up on a lantern. Alright, as you pick up the lantern, you feel comfort. Something about it emanates through your body. You get a, you get a feeling that this lantern, this lantern is something you don't want to let go of. Benedict grabs two. We'll grab one for somebody else. He also holds them near his knees because his knees are for sore. I guess George is, George is also going to pick one up. Just one, though. George, I, I want you to roll a dexterity. You're starting to get a little shaky here without your drinks, and as you're approaching the back of the chapel, you have to take a few steps up these wet stairs. Eight. George, you stumble forward as you go to grab your lantern. You do grasp onto your lantern, but your left hand, in an attempt to catch yourself, hits the bottom of the, the ceremonial table, the presentation table, and pops open a drawer. Oh. And you look inside the drawer, and you see two dusty bottles of a red liquid. Oh, George. George is happy. He uh, is not even going to inspect what he finds. He's just going to pop the cork and, and drink a bottle. 
Roll a constitution. 18. George, you are more inebriated than any of your friends have ever seen you before. You suddenly remember in the back of your head the warnings from from the wash tankard about imbibing this alcohol as a human. You are you are absolutely beyond sloshed. You are entering a new dimensional plane of existence. This is this is pretty good. You okay over that? I'm great. You want a little drinky poo? No, no. I think you know what. Give, give me that other bottle. I'll hold on to that that one for you. George doesn't give it up. Okay, I'm. Uh, you're a lot bigger than I am. I'm not gonna argue <laughs> with you. George, you, you feel like, you know, this lantern near you, it's really warm, and you, you remember how comfortable you are just in your tidy whities And I'm, I'm still wearing my, my nice, fabulous suit, right? You are. I'm going to tuck it in the breast pocket while I just cradle these bottles. Crawford, come here. <laughs> Crawford Mawson and Gill. So as you approach the cabinet, it's about 12 feet tall. This looks like a storage cabinet. It's very ornately carved. You can see that despite the general like detriment of this place due to time and rain, this looks relatively untouched. In fact, it's not even dusty. And you also see coming out of the side of the cabinet, there's a small hole and a wire that leads along the wall and up into the top of the steeple. That is suspect. Or I don't trust this. <laughs> this could be a way to ring the bell. They could just be super lazy. Through a cabinet? Do we want to try it? Hmm. Sure. Gil opens the door. The cabinet doesn't budge. It's uh, locked. Wait, Gil. I think you have the key. A key. That's you could right. try it. Yeah, you gave me that key. It does fit. And when you turn it to the right, you hear the cabinet click and the doors of the cabinet begin to open on their own. You see that the inside of these doors is just as ornately carved as the outside, dark, ebony wood, and as it opens up, you see what the wire was connected to. Looks to be an old vinyl player, a record player. The wire is an auxiliary cable that transmits sound up to something in the steeple. Next to the record player, there is a single vinyl. I'm super thrown off by this, but I, uh, do you, do I think we should play this record. Yeah, I guess we could, but I, I I think it would be a good idea to check out the steeple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think I have a feeling what's going on here. I think I think it might. Hey, Croc, Croc, come here, come here. Y- yeah, y- yes, George? I got some juice. Huh? Bring with me, buddy. It's not the, uh, not the juice I meant. Crawford wants to kind of... Sleight of hand, take a sip, but not actually sip. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Roll a sleight of hand. That's a six. So, you don't take a full-on chug and swig like George. I get to grit my teeth, maybe. But you you do inadvertently slosh back a little more than you expected and craw. I, I... I don't know if you're much of a drinker. To you, this probably isn't a very pleasant experience. You feel... I claim to be is the best way I'll say. You you feel very <laughs> uncomfortable. Everything is blurry, and you feel like it's all the effort in the world just to stay standing. Oh, sh- 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 shit. That would, uh, that's some good juice, but that wasn't the, uh, wasn't the cranberry juice I wanted. <laughs> that is the only juice you'll need. <laughs> Wait... Where did you get juice here? I found it in this little cupboard. The refrigerator? Mm, I don't think so. So, here's a record player. Ooh, ooh we can play some music! Well, we're a band. Of course we will. Oh, yeah, that's right. You want to turn on the record player? Let's get this party started! Benedict walks over to Gil and just kind of hands him the lantern and he's like... Yeah, we're fucked. 100%. Gil goes over to the record player and puts the vinyl on, puts on the, the needle, and hits, hits play to see if anything happens. As you put the vinyl on, you just see on the, on the label in the center of it, the title, it says, The Gathering hear a sorrowful hymnal 
song. Lay it down. That's the nest we had. And the song slowly drones out, echoing over the old blessed as it just continues to play and play. Dude, this song fucking this song's shit, man. This fucking modern radio bullshit. Uh, I hate, hate it. it. Oh my god, you want me a soda? Uh-huh. I'm gonna go check outside real quick. You, you keep an eye on these right, guys. Benedict does want to go grab the remaining lantern and kind of just, like, tie it to Craw's back. So, Gil, as you step out of the chapel, the sight you see shakes you to the core. The ground is shaking, the lightning overhead as this song continues to drone eerily, echoing over the hills of the Old Blessed. You see figures... Rotten and wretched, rising up out of the graves in mass, hundreds of them slowly shuffling their way, crying and moaning and wailing down towards the amphitheater. Guys, there's dead. There's uh, there's this zombies zombies heading headed towards the. Oh God, what did we do? Hundreds of zombies headed towards the amphitheater. I think we need to turn that music off. Yeah, it does suck. What, what were the notes we had again? Uh, what, what are the clues here? There, there, there was the, 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 the note from the amphitheater that David always watches those mournful players. There, there was the note that we found on the, on the corpse earlier, and the bell was struck, which, which slept the horde then hung above which pleased the lord and then and then the words that were on the gate that pleased the lord Th- this has got to be connected right all right like all i'm not right, just right. crazy what were the what were the zombies doing they they were heading towards the amphitheater so if they're all at the amphitheater they're not anywhere else yeah but this is really weird still they're not coming for us yet but can, can benedict remember the last direction he heard the bell in i want you to roll a perception and listen uh, it is a 16 as you listen and as you try and think back, you hear the bell chime yet again. However, this time, it doesn't ring quite as, as deep. It's more of a like a dull chime, still loud. But it seems to be moving, heading towards the amphitheater. So a zombie has the bell we need, is, is what I'm thinking here. I'm thinking it's probably David. <laughs> we should probably go get it. We should be fucking beat that fucking guy up. I want a constitution from George and a willpower from Craw. Uh, 16 on the constitution. George, in a moment of painful clarity, you feel the intense urge to vomit, do you? Yes. And immediately upon doing so, you feel a sharp pain in your chest, your throat is dry, as though you just swallowed back a very, very strong alcohol and you've returned to your your pretty normal level of inebriation, your functioning level of inebriation, but the hangover is intense. 20, but not a nap. Similar moment of clarity. You don't throw up, but you, you feel a voice in the back of your head. It's, it's your inner craw, whatever your inner craw sounds like, and your inner craw grabs uh, you by the haunches and says, Boy, get a hold of yourself, or they're going to learn everything. <clears throat> hey, uh... Oh, shit, that stuff was strong. Guess that is the juice I needed. That'll clear out your sciences right there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I caught I caught something in, in that. 
about zombies? Uh, yeah, yeah. They they wanted to watch that zombie show. No, that's not so what that happened sucked. at all, guys. There's a bunch of zombies heading towards the amphitheater, and I think we caused this. Well, we probably just shouldn't go near the amphitheater then. I mean, that sounds like a pretty easy solution to me. Well, I was listening for the bell, and one of the and the bell is moving towards the amphitheater. So I think a zombie has the bell that we need. So what you're saying is that we need to burn this church down. Meanwhile, in Scandinavia. Well, the thing I don't, I don't think we got to fight these guys at all. I, I think I think they're the audience. I mean, I've got weapons I can kill, yep. and I've got music I can kill. So I'm ready to defend myself either way. Let's make our way down there. If you're not, uh, you don't think that they're evil. Whether we well, fight them or we play for them. Let's go, boys. Gotta go get David. As your group exits the chapel, for those of you, so everyone but Gil who hasn't seen yet, you indeed see the mass of hundreds of the shuffling and walking undead making their way to the amphitheater. Those that have already made their way have sat down. That being said, George George pulls out his accordion from the magical bag of holding. Wait, <laughs> boys, 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 before you start playing that, what are we going to play? Well, first thing Something comes to depressing. Our head, I don't know any My Chemical Romance. You know a ton of country. What's the uh, the, <laughs> He's the, gonna put the military song that they play at funerals? Caps? Yeah, <laughs> do that. George's accordion synth machine uh, <laughs> begins echoing taps along the hills of the Old Blessed as you make your way down to the amphitheater. As you approach the amphitheater, the hundreds of gathered dead shift in their seats to turn and stare at your group. They do not get up, they do not approach, they show no aggression, they simply stare slack-jawed. You can see this ranges in levels of decay on these individuals from totally skeletal to some who might have scraps of clothing or some decayed flesh, the whole gamut. And they stare at your group as you make your way to the amphitheater. As we're walking up, Gil gets his, his mic out and gets his mic ready and takes his place up on front center stage. As you step onto the stage, they are entirely quiet, their hands in their laps. Again, there are hundreds of them, so it's very difficult to make out any distinct individuals. So, uh, Crawford Mawson would like to get, you know, uh, your solid equidistant, but still, like, diagonal line away from, I forget what the... the his right side to protect what I view as his weak, what he views as his weak side. Start playing a real like, what is the word? A, a melancholy guitar riff. I want to be directly in front of him, but on the lower stage. Hold. Uh, <laughs> Benedict, go, yeah, get out of his base and go to stage left. But before we start playing, Gil looks around. And it's like, guys, let's get that spark back. Oh, yeah. do or die, Gil. Remember to not fall over this time. going crawl it is a 19 19 so crawl this is going quite well you know the first couple strums it doesn't sound very amplified and then suddenly as you kind of get into it and you get into the feeling you know you got the ambiance you got the audience your instrument begins to amplify so benedict just starts going along with he likes what Crawl's putting down here like sound like rhythm and just starts going into a deep deep underlying bass line for it as you play that Benedict you see the the mouths of the audience grow more agape and actually a few dozen maybe begin to stand and raise their hands towards the stage 
in reverence. George is, is, is getting down with what everyone's squirting, but my performance was a uh, 19. Damn, you guys are killing it. So George, as you begin laying in and it's just tying everything together in this sort of swaying motion and you see more and more from the crowd begin to stand up and raise their hands up in reverence. Gil rolled an 18 for his perform. Love it. As you do, you just see more and more of these dead begin to stand up and raise their hands up in reverence. Not all of them are standing. And this performance goes on. You feel as a group, for the first time in quite a while, you feel yourselves kind of get lost in the music. This is a feeling you guys haven't had in quite a while. How's everyone doing at the old blessed tonight? This song is dedicated to a special guy, David. David, if you're out there, ring that bell for us. As you say that, you say it with confidence, you know, bursting from your chest. They suddenly stop moving and they begin looking around the crowd as though they're looking for this person. And you see them fix eyes at the back of the amphitheater on one individual. Now this individual looks a little bit less decayed than most of these. It's a young individual. He's at the top of the amphitheater stands. You see around his neck is a large golden bell. He grabs his bell and runs off into the graveyard. Tell him we want to bring David up on stage. We want him up here on stage. Could you guys get him back, back over here? Over here. So as you say that, some members of the crowd kind of shake their head in agreement, and they begin stumbling into the graveyard. You hear the, the, the sounds of a bell kind of clattering, not ringing, but clattering, and you see a large group of this dead carrying David. They're literally dragging him by his ankles, some have his feet, one's got him around the neck, carrying him to the amphitheater. And as they approach the stage of the amphitheater, they toss David onto the ground with a thud. Thunder clashes overhead. David, on his hands and knees, looks up at you with his dead, sunken eyes. He specifically looks at you, Gil. And he smiles a wide, half-toothed grin. And the bell around his neck begins to shimmer. <laughs> Roll your initiatives. All right, how are the rolls, boys? Starting with Gil. Uh, Gil rolled an 18. Mm. Crawford Marshall rolled himself a 23. Dang. George rolled himself a nice 20. These are some good numbers. Benedict's is not good. He is a 6. That sounds... But he is old. Right. That's he fair. He is old. As the thunder crashes overhead, the rain pours down. You see the mournful dead sit back in their seats. The ground begins to shake as David, in his small frame, cackles. The bell, which he's wearing as a necklace, begins to spin as it lays, like, against his chest on the string. From the ground, bursting through the stone of this stage, one on the left side, one on the right side, you see pairs of arms just bursting through the stone. 
as two very large, hulking, undead dwarves pull themselves out of the stone. They pull a wretched old pickaxe out of the ground from their, their stony grave as David stands on the stage, cackling and laughing. In addition, there's a crash of thunder, and you see almost like panes of glass dropping from the sky, a barrier form separating you on the stage from the audience. David dances back and forth in place as his bell rings and the blues men dwarven undead grab their pickaxes and begin shuffling towards your group. Crawford Mawson. Crawford Mawson starts to feel the music flow through his veins, flow through his soul. It feels, it feels it's something he's never felt. Comfort. Happiness. He starts to look down and he feels... He feels what he felt before when he changed, except this time it's 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 right. His legs start to poof, puff out, and contort weirdly into hooves. Hairy, hairy, sexy hooves. He feels horns grow out of the top of his head. His sexy chest hair gets a little bit more sexy. Feels himself transforming into the disgusting satyr he always knew that he was. The hideous beast who lives for revelry and debauchery at any cost. He is going to start playing sick-ass riff on his guitar. I I am Crawford Moss Moss, and I am a bard. bard. The best goddamn bard in the world. I, I want to intimidate. Oh, okay. An intimidating, crushing Intimidating riff. with some music. Ugly, intimidating music. All right. Roll that performance. Give yourself an additional plus two. Fifteen. Fifteen. As you lay down this, uh, as you described it, a dinosaur riff. All of you, your bandmates, you, you've never heard craw riff like this. This, is, this isn't this is some country twangy. This is some crunchy, chuggy riffage. And as you play it, you see David actually kind of take a step back. The bell dings a little bit slower. He kind of grabs onto his chest, and he backs away from you a little bit. The bluesmen are unaffected. I want to look at Gil and say, Gil, you're going to go somewhere great, and and I would like to use one of my bardic abilities, or use one of my spells. I want to cast Enlarge on on Gil. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I I love it so much. We'll be right back to that, what that looks like. Over to George. George sees these dwarven skeletons rise from the depths and feels a fear that he's never felt before in his life. And when he feels that fear, his his eyes begin to, to glow a bluish white light. And all that fear is suddenly stripped away as he, as he feels wings sprout from his back for, for no apparent reason. But and, and in this 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 moment of, of non-fear and, and clarity, all, all the drunkenness washes from George. He's, he's in a completely sober mind state. And he begins to realize that what truly makes him angry is himself. Which is my way of saying that, that George's barbarian rage comes from his self-loathing. He himself is the source of his rage. <laughs> so George is transformed into a barbarian. As you make this transformation, the bluesman Again, just shuffling in from the sides of the stage, holding their their rotted, heavy pickaxes. David locks eyes with you, and he cackles at you. <laughs> Thrust my wings out, uh, you know, as, as strongly as I can, um, and try to also intimidate David. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a ten. A so. ten? It, <laughs> kind of saved it. David doesn't react so much, but it, not for any effort, like lack of trying. It, it was a reasonably intimidating gesture as you puff your wings out. Yeah, I mean, Still the man is already turn. dead. Okay, so then uh, the first thing I do is attack the... I rush towards the one dwarven skeleton, I guess, on the left of him. Yes. Okay, as you rush, charging through the across the wet stage with your maul in your hands towards the bluesman, he locks his dead sunken eyes with you and he lifts his pickaxe to kind of swing at the same time that you're charging in. Roll your attack. Oh, and this is with advantage because I am raging. Yes, you are. And add an extra plus two from the charge. You're from Joyzy. You're so mad. A raging alcoholic. 
25. As he go he's trying to like swing and match your swing, and you bring this maul crashing into him, I want you to roll that damage. Uh, 16 damage. 16 damage. So George, you crack this maul right into his ribs. You feel confident in that moment that you took the maul, you know, because this when this meets his ribs, you feel those bones crack from the weight of it. As he stumbles backwards and looks up at you, not with fear, but with reverence. George grunts just a... All right. Now, over to our shining star, Gil. I was going to, uh, or I am casting the spell in large on Mr. Gil, but I'm a showman. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm definitely going to, you know, do it at the right time. So, Gil, what's happening to you? So, Gil starts feeling a, a burning heat inside of his stomach as it travels up and smoke comes out of his nose and mouth and he fire comes out and as this fire comes out his skin starts glowing as these bright gold scales start sprouting from his skin his his face becoming more lizard like as these large bat like wings sprout from his back all of it shining gold as he feels suddenly a presence of hundreds around him energy feels not quite magical in nature but more divine Ooh. as he awakens to his powers as a paladin it can sense all the undead around him enlarge him while he's transforming take that twangy riff and i just make a real ugly chugging as that chord hits you gil you feel yourself growing larger and larger <laughs> until you are seven eight Nine, twelve feet tall. tall. Gil looks down at David and says, his, his deep dragon growl voice, Ready to join the Golden Gill fan club, kid? <laughs> <laughs> this is gorgeous. I breathe fire at him. <laughs> Burning energy builds and builds inside of Gil as it comes up and finally escapes his mouth, kind of like the fire that happened before, but instead of just a short little stream, this is like a whole, a whole long, blazing hot line of fire. Okay, just all right, so what's help. that DC? So eight plus my con mod. So, 11, 13. 13. You breathe out this golden stream of fire at David. He's going to attempt to tuck and dive out of the way. He manages to just roll. He still gets caught in a swoop of the flame, though. How much damage do you do to him? Seven. All right, so seven. So, I'll take half and go up. So, four. Okay. So, as he rolls to the side, he looks up at you very quickly. He sees that his, his bottom half is still caught up in the flames. He winces in pain as he pats them out, and he looks a bit more nervous. So, uh, after that impressive display, David cackles, and he grabs his bell, and you start to all hear in your ears a very large ringing noise. I need a willpower from all of you. This ringing is going louder and louder and louder. Woo! The bell spins in his hand. 22 for Benedict. Okay. Willpower, uh, 13. Okay. 16. 18. Okay, so everyone except for George, you are Whoa. able to resist this ringing. It's very bothersome. It throws you off balance a little bit, but you take no damage. However, as long as this ringing is sustaining, your AC is down by two. George, your AC drops by two, but you feel that sharp ringing kind of pop in your eardrum a little bit, and you take a flat three damage. After that, David steps back to the very edge of the stage, and, and he's just holding this bell out, almost beckoning you to come close to him. <laughs> Benedict. It's my turn. So he starts... The, 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 from earlier, the horns sprout up, little tiny horns. His skin goes like a bluish gray. This time, this, this black smoke starts to envelop and like come from within Benedict. All the fear is gone. He feels renewed, he feels invigorated, he even feels at home right here with the undead. 
he feels like he's really made a pact, you know, with the music, and he's really gained these warlock abilities. He's gonna look at David, because he thinks David's being kind of an ass. <laughs> and he's gonna strum one really deep note on the bass. And from that is gonna be an Eldritch Blast. Oh, shit. Uh, that is a 25 to hit. So that is a hit. <laughs> so your Eldritch Blast bursts forth from the bass and cracks David right in the sternum. That does seven damage. Seven damage. As you hit him, he kind of stumbles. Let's see if he keeps that bell spinning. He does barely manage to keep that bell spinning, lowering all of your AC. But he, he cracks back and heaves heavily. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was good. <laughs> George, the, the bluesy blues man that you're tangling with that you just cracked, he's looking to give one back, and he raises his pickaxe hefty up with both hands, and he comes to bring it down, but before he does so, you see a red glint flash from his empty eye sockets. I need a willpower from you, because he's giving you the evil eye. Stank eye! Uh, 20 Juan. 20 Juan. For a moment, you feel your muscles tense up and almost freeze in place, similar to when that wraith or shade was talking to you, but you, your rage just powers you through it and you shake it off, and he's coming down with his attack. What is your AC, son? Uh, 16, brother. That is a hit. Damn. So, you feel an intense pain as this pickaxe drives its way into your now mu suddenly muscular <laughs> shoulder. Yes. <laughs> 11 yeah. damage as he whips this pickaxe back out of your shoulder and groans in your face. I spit on him. Meanwhile, Crawford Mawson, you look up and you see one of the other bluesmen charging at you, his pickaxe held high, and there's a red flash from his empty eye socket. He has given you the evil eye. Not great. That is an eight. An eight. As you see that red flash, you suddenly feel your limbs seize up. Your guitar playing stops, and you feel yourself frozen in place. You can just barely wiggle around as he lifts his pickaxe up to swing at you. You try and raise your buckler up to throw it off balance, but the pickaxe cracks you right into your shoulder. For a total of 14 damage. Oh my god. And as you spank. As he rips the pickaxe out, you actually fall backwards onto your buttocks. You are hurting, hurting, hurting. Uh, oh god. Oh god. To be, to be continues. Rock and Roll for Initiative is a lovingly made D&D podcast by Zach, Nathan, Andy, Biggs, Roger, and Tyler, a group of lifelong friends who really just enjoy playing D&D. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Rock and Roll for Initiative and invite you to check out our Patreon, Facebook, or TikTok pages for weekly updates, clips, playlists, and more. Visit our website at rr4initiative.com. That's rr4initiative.com. Be sure to check back for new episodes every other Wednesday. Just want to give a special shout out to our slew of patrons Spooky Group, Frost, Nat Ridge, Grix Teague. Simp for Gooseberries, Mika Fuji, Mead Chief, and more. You guys are the heart and soul of this. Without you, we couldn't keep old Zach fed. So we thank you so very much. Any money that goes into this show, whether it's through Patreon or otherwise, stays in this show. Our idea is to grow, our idea is to build, and 100% of those funds go directly towards helping us improve. So hey, if you're enjoying the show, why not check us out on Patreon? Starting membership is free, and you get access to the Discord. There's a whole slew of things on there we're working on getting rolling out, and we can't wait to connect with y'all more. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a pleasant week. 
Except for you, Neil Diamond. Music creation, production and editing by Roger, episode production and editing by the team here at Rock and Roll for Initiative. Certain sound effects and extra clips acquired under the Creative Commons license. Necessary credits when applicable are available on our website. The story, all names, characters, and incidents portrayed in this production are fictitious. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This product is a piece of fictional entertainment media and should not be understood to have any legal backing. Rock and Roll for Initiative.